0: Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Junction 28 Church. We're so glad that you've decided to join us today and know that God wants to bless you with this message. We'd love to hear about it, so why not tell us on our Facebook or Twitter pages. If you would like further information about who we are, check out our website www.thejunction28church.com We hope you enjoy this message. Good evening, everybody. If you could turn in your Bibles to John 8. That's where we're going to start. Okay, so we're going to look at this story. It starts, uh, the, last, <clears throat> the last verse of John chapter 7. So basically, the, the Pharisees are trying to catch Jesus out. They're trying to, the day before, they're trying to get Jesus arrested. And that's where it begins, this story. It says, then each went to his own home. And then chapter eight, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives and we can assume that he went to spend the night praying to his father. At dawn, he appears again in the temple court where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made, I just want to make a point of that word, they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left. Sorry, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And other translations say, Where are your accusers? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. So the the title of my message this evening is I'm Still Standing. In verse nine it says the woman still standing there and so we're going to look at the woman as she stands before jesus we're going to have a think about ourselves do we stand before jesus and then we're going to look at do we stand before jesus as a as a group we stand before jesus um here it's the pharisees and the woman standing before jesus and how they relate to one another we're just going to have a look at how that works in our lives okay so we i'm sure that anyone who's been a christian for any length of time will know this story perhaps quote bits from it let him who is without sin but i just want to really get into the story tonight and kind of set the scene this woman when she enters a story she's not going to be coming willingly at all she has just been caught in the most humiliating act that anybody could imagine themselves caught caught in the act. She's caught in the act of adultery. She's not without going into thinking about it too much. She's most likely naked, semi-naked, um, and the, and she's being forced to come. I wanted us to to um, to notice that word. They made her stand before Jesus. She she'll know the law. She'll know that she's being brought there. And she's most likely going to be stoned to death. That's the intention. That's the, the agenda. The, the, well, this, that's one, one of the things that was, was going to happen. So she's not coming willingly at all. So she enters the scene naked, exposed, shamed, humiliated, and terrified that she's actually going to her death. The Pharisees have caught her in this act, and, and the law... Um, of Moses says that well actually she shouldn't have come on her own <laughs> she, her, her the, the guy that she was with should have been brought to that was the law of Moses that they should be have, should have been caught and brought together um, but also they should have been caught by several witnesses that's what the law of Moses said so just the most humiliating and shameful situation and so it must have been you know Jesus sitting down at dawn in a lovely peaceful setting to teach and then this scuffle comes in. But what does Jesus do? I love this, there, there are many theories about why Jesus bent down to write in the, on the ground. But I like to think that what he did actually was he distracted from the, the, this woman who'd been, who was being shamed and completely humiliated what he was he bent down and he wrote in the ground and they so everyone's attention is taken from the woman onto onto what he's doing oh what's he doing what is he writing and he gives her time hopefully to cover herself hopefully to 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 just get herself together a little bit and I also like to think that he's probably asking the father what should he do because in john it's always saying that he only did what he saw his father doing, and John 14 verse 10 is one of my one of my favourite verses. Jesus said, "The words I speak are not just my own; rather, it is the Father who is living in me who is doing His work." And then Jesus just comes up with this. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but you know, if if it was me in that scene and I and they were asking me, I probably would have messed my words up and and not known what to do. But he just comes out with a a killer lion. just it's just brilliant what he says. Let him who is without sin, be the one to cast the first stone. And I've just actually noticed, just as I was reading, that um, there must have been just men there because it says, um, anyway, it refers to the masculine. So anyway, I just just noticed that as I was reading, so it just would have been the woman. And, and surrounded by men and, and there's nothing there's no answer here to nobody can do anything they have to just stop and examine themselves it's just sheer brilliance complete wisdom from God and it just shows us that we are all judged by the same standard the standard of sin it's not about how big the sin is you know we don't know we're so we're so easy to be it's so easy to be like a pharisee and to judge people and we're just talking about in the cars we are coming here is the default is really to be pharisaical to be judgmental and not like jesus and we have to kind of turn that around and so we're all judged by have we sinned or not and there's only one man in that whole scene who is completely without sin only one who can stay and Jesus knew just imagine being Jesus here and being presented with this woman who's been caught in this sin and, and doing this, done this act and we don't know what caused her to, to run into the arms of another man we, we don't know why she did that and we could think that Jesus he knows he's still got to go to the cross and he's going to have to pay for the for that sinful act and yet and yet he excuses her and he he and he doesn't he says that there's no condemnation for her as she stands before him there's another in, i think it's in luke there's a scene where where he's that where where a young man comes to Jesus and 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 she, and Luke writes, and Jesus looked at him and loved him, and I and I just love to think that in this scene it's the same. Jesus looks at this woman, and he loves her, in all of her sin, in all of her shame, in all her humiliation. There's just love oozing and pouring out of him, even though he's the only sinless one there. And she, I, I was just thinking, you know. It says the, the woman was still standing. Everybody else had gone away. And I think if it would have been me, I might have used that time where, they're think, where the Pharisees are thinking and t- throwing their stones down and turning away. I might have used the opportunity myself to skedaddle and get out of there. But perhaps she's just fascinated that this man is standing up for her. This man obviously sees some kind of value in her. He, he wants to help her. And yet she's, and she, so she stands there in all of the dirt of her life. In all of the nakedness of her life. And allows Jesus to love her. No accusation comes from him. No condemnation comes from him. And I wonder if we were asked, what did Jesus say to this woman? What we'd recall from this story. Hopefully after tonight, we'll, we'll have a different recollection. But I'm sure many of us would say that Jesus said to her, go and leave your life of sin. But that's not what he says to her. He says, neither do I condemn you. Now. Now go and leave your life of sin. And in that place of grace, then that gives her the dignity and the space to have the chance to go and leave that life, to go and repent, which means that we we don't just say we're sorry, but we turn away from our ways and we change. If Jesus had just said to her, now go and leave your life of sin, then that there's no room there, there's no dignity, there's just that condemnation. there's just shame piled on. but Jesus doesn't say that to any one of us. He says there's now no there's therefore now no condemnation for you if you're in me. And so that's the woman, the woman she stands before she, Jesus she's still, stood and then we're going to go on to look about look at us and do we stand before jesus now this woman she was compelled to come she was caught in the act of adultery she was she had to come they made her come and stand before jesus but actually nobody comes nobody makes us stand before jesus that has to be our choice and the Holy Spirit can prompt us to, but we can so often say, no, I don't want to. And we might think that we would, it would be a natural response as Christians to come and stand before him, to come and confess our sin, to come and be real with him. But we've actually inherited the oldest impulse into our hearts. And that's the impulse to hide. One of my fav- another one of my favorite verses is um, from the last verse of Genesis 2. Now, my brother and I would have sniggered at this when we were younger. <laughs> but let's not, we won't do that now. But the man and his wife were naked in the garden and they felt no shame. Adam and Eve, before the fall, the man and his wife were naked in the garden and they felt no shame but then sadly we know that genesis 3 comes and the the fall came sin enters the world and i think the the, the root really of sin is selfishness just been thinking about this so much over the last few months how Or how each and every one of us is so self-motivated. We just really think about ourselves. We really just, yeah, just so conscious of ourselves and self-fulfillment and and all of that. And that all came in the garden. But I want to say tonight that the voice of God still comes every day to each and every one of us. Where are you? Where are you? And I wonder if we each one of us come running without the fig leaves on. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they sewed fig leaves together to hide themselves. And I wonder how how much of that we do ourselves, busy hiding behind our fig leaves. We all have such a basic human need each and every one of us to be loved and accepted by god and man but shame comes shame is such a powerful emotion if you gave me two minutes now but we're not going to do that but if you did i could take you very quickly to a place of shame i could make you feel that awful emotion of shame it's such a powerful emotion and shame says if they really knew what you were like they reject you they push you away they wouldn't want you and so because we have the basic need in each and every one of us has that need to be loved and accepted we project into god and to other people pretend as we put on a mask we put on fig leaves and pretend to be somebody that we're not but the voice of God comes where are you where are you I want to have communion with you I want to to see you in all of your nakedness in all of in all of the reality of who you are and it's only in that reality of who we really are if we're with the honesty then we can hear the voice, there is no condemnation for you. And then there's the grace and the dignity to become the people that God intended us to be. In this 21st century life, we can be so busy, so busy, and we can hide behind the busyness of our lives. The most prayerful person, the most you know, a godly person you know, that you think you know, can actually be hiding, hiding the reality of who they are behind their busyness, behind their schedule. The, uh, the missionary, the pastor, the, you know, the, the people that you think, the, the, the Matissee students <laughs> who are here tonight. We can all be hide, hide behind the busyness of our lives. The fig leaves, we just sow another fig leaf onto us to hide behind because we don't really want to be honest with god who have I, who am i really who have i become what are the habits that i have there was a a, a wonderful um, man called brennan manning and uh um, he had this incredible message to give but he was a chronic alcoholic all of, all of his life, he had times of sobriety, he, he was raised in a, an abusive home, He went on to become a Catholic priest and then God met him and he had just had this incredible revelation and his, the message he carried, even though he never lived in this message, that's a real sad part about th- this, this man's life, but the message he carried is that God loves you as you are, not as you should be, or not as you think you should be, because you're never going to be as you should be. God loves you today as you are, not as you should be in your mind, because you're never going to be as you should be. I think that sometimes we expect too much of ourselves I work, um, I, I do chiropody. I look after people's feet. And so I go and visit a lot of older people. And uh, <laughs> they, we, as British people, we all expect far too much of our weather. <laughs> as I go to people's homes in the summer, oh, hasn't it been an awful weather? <laughs> oh, hasn't it been an awful summer? I say, well, we've had some nice weather, but they're all expecting it to be 25 degrees and sunny for the whole of the summer. <laughs> when well, we live in Britain, it's never going to be like that. And I'm, uh, th- at the moment, it's a dark season. Oh, isn't it dark? <laughs> yes, <laughs> but we live in Britain, and that's the norm. That's the norm. And I just think sometimes we do also, th- we think to expect too much of ourselves Jesus loves us as we are, not as we think we should be. Now, that I'm all for holy living. I'm not, I'm not talking about not, not keeping standards or anything like that. But just being honest with God. When he calls, where are you? He doesn't want you hiding behind the fig leaves. He wants you to rip them off, just to be totally honest naked vulnerable with him because i want to tell you the antidote to to shame is vulnerability if you can be vulnerable then you kill shame it it has no power at all but shame is so powerful if it's left on the rampage so powerful it's frightening but vulnerability is the answer so do we stand before Jesus ourselves? And lastly, we come to, uh, we standing before Jesus? Here, the Pharisees and the woman stand before Jesus. And the, 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 the Pharisees, they come with their agenda. They're angry. They're jealous of Jesus. They're religious. They're self-righteous. And their agenda is to just get rid of him. If we can just get rid of him, we can get on with our lives. If we can just get rid of him. But we'll all have seen the Jesus films where they look in control, don't they? They're all dressed up in their robes. They look like they've got it together. They're faithful to God. They're devoted to God. But here we see under the surface all of those bad attitudes, all of those sinful ways I want to think about um, the journey of a new believer. When you first come to Christ, please, God, we understand that we're a sinner and we're not just going to have a a nice life with Jesus. But there's kind of like an unspoken grace period of, well, by, by, you know, about a year, you should probably have got yourself sorted out. And hopefully you've got some people with you coming alongside you who are going to, help you, you know, with your big issues that you really need to sort out. And then, as time goes on, you kind of find yourself on your own, and it's too late to tell somebody that I've got this awful habit, that I'm angry, that I watch porn, and all sorts of, all manner of different things. It's too late by then, because you really should... Have sorted yourself out by now and so what do we do we start sowing fig leaves putting them on us pretending to be alright but really we need to stop pretending that we're all all alright Richard Foster is a Christian writer and he says that confession is a difficult discipline us because we are of, we often view the believing community as a fellowship of saints before we see it as a fellowship of sinners and really we're all together aren't we we all do things that are wrong i i wouldn't like <laughs> a movie of my life to be shown i wouldn't even like a, a tape played or a, a an a whatever played of my of the my last 24 hours thoughts Not really. I'm not, I don't think, rude thoughts. I don't think, uh, try and and keep clean. But if I'm being honest, I wouldn't want that. And I don't think you would either. Because when, there's only one who's perfect. There was only one. And his voice comes tonight. There's no condemnation for you. But we really just have to be, real together and I want to share three short stories of my experience of of life in the church Some, t- the first two um i I've, ex- I've I and others have experienced friendly fire if you like some from from some pharisaical thoughts have come in and then I'll finish with a nice one about peter <laughs> so my story is um I came to Christ 17 years ago, and when I came to Christ, I was really um, at rock bottom. I was um, I was a single mum. I was divorced. I was a what would be classed as a functioning alcoholic. So I functioned all right, but I was al- I was dependent on alcohol, and I had other issues that I won't go into now. Um, and the Lord. I I, I I had a, uh, that grace period of about two years where I really pursued the Lord, and um, He restored me. He I I I really got the gospel. I, th- I think that when you come to Jesus, when you're so broken, there's nowhere else to go. And so um, sometimes I feel a little bit sorry for people who've grown up in church, even though that's that's great. But sometimes people who come. When they're so broken that only Jesus is the answer, um, there, there's just a deeper revelation of of who I am and who He is, if you like. And anyway, so that was me, and I really pursued God. I I, I wanted to I wanted to follow Him with all of my heart, and I and I got all of my issues sorted out. Um, but it took it took about. Two years to do so, and but but I did that. It was my that was me going after God rather than me being discipled particularly well. And um, then, a little while after that, I'm, I went to Peter's church and I, I met him, and we got married. And um, and I, some, sometimes I think it's like Peter and I at the moment we're in a difficult difficult situation. But I think when you're in situations like that, just look back on what, what has God done for you. He saved me, healed me, restored me, and he gave me far more than I could, I could ever deserve in, in Peter. And I'm so grateful to God. Um, and um, so, so then I became the pastor's wife of the church. And um, about two years in, um, I thought it'd be a great idea i thought it'd be a great idea if i shared with the ladies of the church my story um and so we had uh, an evening meal um and then we all sat down and i shared my testimony the unedited highlights <laughs> no the unedited my the story the the good the bad and the ugly and there wasn't much good in it well there was good <laughs> after i come to jesus and I was so nervous. I've come a long way since then. And I still get nervous when I'm coming to speak. But <laughs> um, then I was shaking, literally shaking. My voice was shaking. So I was so relieved when I got it over over with. But immediately, this woman came up to me and she said, I didn't know you were like that. <laughs> and the whole point of my story was that I wasn't like that anymore. <laughs> that Jesus has saved me. That, the, that old Jane who i was was had been had been uh, buried in the waters of baptism i'd re- been risen, risen to new life and um and that i was a new creation and i since then i've done some psychology so i understand that she was reacting out of her her own pain um but at the time it was like the, just the pharisee came <laughs> and and actually what happened is that she put shame back on me not in front of my lord, because I'd worked through that with him. But I, I've never, ever shared publicly my, my story since then, because I feel shame about it. And that was her, and that was because of that lady. I, you know, I don't hold that against her, I understand, I forgive her, but but, but that's the reality of what can happen in that, that kind of scenario. Then, um, so that's kind of that's friendly fire that's within the church people judging hurting each other then um peter and i used to pastor the church in cambridge we uh, peter had been there 13 years and i joined him six years into that so we pastored the church for seven years together and um then we came up to to Mattersea. and so i'd been in full-time ministry with peter and then when we came up here there was a position for him but there was no official position for me so i had to kind of reinvent myself and i went from being in full-time ministry to being in no ministry at all and that was a really hard journey for me now looking back hindsight's a (laughs) a wonderful thing isn't it i know that the lord was pruning me and he was just helping me to to stop really and just to fall in love with jesus again because in the ministry we can get so busy kind of the fig leaf thing again and then after a year I, I felt that that the Lord was kind of releasing me to be able to go and do some something so I thought, I've got to do something for you Lord help I'm not doing anything and I went a little bit crazy and I went on seven missions trips and they were to not just <laughs> <laughs> weren't just to Wigan and uh, other places; they were different continents, and as anyway went on seven within two years. Um, anyway, one of those mission trips was to um, an Eastern European country. I had the the Lord really put the issue of human human trafficking, especially sex trafficking, on my heart, and um, I went to this country where where um, an Amer- American missions organization had <clears throat> had this beautiful home there wonderful home and these girls who'd been brutally treated there are no words for the way that, that girls are treated and and sometimes boys as well in sex trafficking I, I don't want to shock you all too much here tonight but sometimes you know sex trafficking is the the, the fastest growing illegal industry in the world if you think of a drug It can be sold once, but a girl can be sold time and time again, and sometimes that's up to as many as 50 times a night. And um, there's just there are no words. They're treated worse than animals, and so anyway, these precious girls have been plucked by god out of their situations rescued taken to this house this safe place loved nurtured by this um, by these american missionaries and believe me i know how much it is to um how much an american minis- uh, missionary needs to um raise before they're allowed released to go on the mission field and so we're talking about millions and millions of pounds poured into this safe house this safe place these girls have children because of they're obviously being raped and so pregnancies ensue and um, so they're in this lovely house, warm safe place and then they're taken to the lo- local Pentecostal church where you'd hope that they would be embraced also but because of the culture, the, in that, because of the pharisaical nature of, of that culture they were labelled prostitutes in the, in the church. What hope do they have of being restored and given back their dignity and their shame? Again, shame coming straight back on. So it's sad but reali- realistic and, and these things happen and we just have to make sure that we are not like that, that we don't represent the Pharisee in church with our brothers and sisters, but that we represent Jesus And then I've, I'll just, my last story is about the church that we pastored in Cambridge. We used to have incredible, Peter really um, led a phenomenal church there, a beautiful church with a, with a wonderful, a Pentecostal church with a wonderful presence of God that we enjoyed every Sunday. And, uh, and then, but then there were the Tuesday nights. <laughs> the Tuesday nights were for the really hungry and I don't know if you know this, but when we are hungry for God, He comes. And we used to have the most incredible times, the most glorious times of um, just the Lord just coming in great power. And I've been thinking about thinking back um, and just thinking, "Oh, I could say that story. Oh, I could say that story." <laughs> just so many different occasions of things that you had to see with your own eyes to believe did, did that really happen. And then, but one particular night I want to share with you tonight. We were we were there, and we were at the altar in the main sanctuary. I just remember the detail because it was so amazing. And um, we were there. We're just hungry for the Lord, and His presence came in the most incredible way. I don't know if you know, but Jesus sometimes He manifests Himself in different ways. And this night He came as Jesus the Lord. And we couldn't speak. We we're just there in awe of him. Jesus, you are Lord. And he's here in our midst. And then after some time, Peter just started to confess his sin. And I know what you're all thinking what did he say? <laughs> And to be honest, I, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's enough from you. <laughs> but then that freed us all up because he's the leader. So we're thinking, well, if he, can, if he can be that honest, then, well, maybe I can. And we just all poured out in front of the one who's perfect, in front of our Savior, in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. We had, there was nothing else we could do in front of the, the one that was perfect. We just revealed how imperfect we were. And it was a, just a, the most glorious time of being in his presence. Sometimes we'd rather be trembling on the inside at the reality of who we are and appear to be out, okay outwardly. So that we, rather than trembling outwardly and being truly healed. And Foster, he finishes by saying, um, Richard Foster, but if we know that the people of God are first a fellowship of sinners, we are free to hear the unconditional call of God's love and to confess our needs openly before our brothers and sisters. We know that we're not alone in our sin. The fear and pride that cling to us like barnacles cling to others also. We are sinners together, and in acts of mutual confession, we release the power that truly heals. Our humanity is no longer denied, but but transformed. So we don't know what happened to the woman, we, we don't know she went and she left her life of sin and I, I think that might be the point of this story that as many times as we need he's there as many times as we need as, as we fall as we f- fail ourselves and God he's there standing waiting you can come always come <coughs> but he wants you to come and he wants you to be real with him and to, to take off those thick leaves and so we're gonna open the altar now and uh i just want you to come i just want you to come and be honest with him come and kneel before him come and stand if you want as the, obviously the message is that, that she stood before him but sometimes we need to kneel before him So Alison's going to come and play a song, It's an old-fashioned song that I first heard this summer, but uh, I believe the power of God is on it. It's um, come to Jesus, give him your life today. And you are probably here because you have given your life to Jesus, but come and give your life afresh to him. Everybody should come, I should come and stand there and just be real with him and say this, this is who I really am. I'm not perfect, but you didn't call me to be perfect. You're the, he was the perfect one. He never wanted you to be perfect. He just wants you to be real.